You were born with individual strengths and a unique purpose. Don't let fears, false beliefs, or life's happenings diminish your influence. It's time to live and lead for impact. Host Kirsten Ross, expert of transformation, will help you defeat the drama and overcome the trauma that can stop you in your tracks. You'll gain focus, find confidence, and take bold action. Unleash passionate, purposeful you. Let's go. Welcome to Live and Lead for Impact. I'm Kirsten Ross Vogel, your team performance pro, and I have a great guest today, and it's episode 309. I can't believe it. But so today I have Denise Vaughn Schroeder. She's a top-ranked realtor in Oklahoma and CEO of Schroeder Real Estate Group with her husband, which is awesome. His name's Troy. I love family business. They've sold 650 homes in just 10 years. Their mission and motto is serve like you are chosen. Denise is a coach, speaker, marketing strategist, realtor, and author of the new book, Out of the Box. Welcome, Denise. Hi, Kirsten. I'm really excited to be here. And I can't believe you've done this many episodes. That's impressive. <laughs> well, it's super fun. You know, you're a marketing person. There's been branding changes over the years and, you know, format changes a little bit, but I really do enjoy getting to hear people's stories and just, you know, and letting those stories get out. And also, you know, hoping that others feel inspired to make their difference in the world and learn some strategies to how to make that bigger, bolder impact along the way. I love it. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about your work. I mean, you're a realtor, but it sounds like you're rocking it with your husband, Troy. So tell me about your work and the impact that you're making in the world. Well, I wanted to become a realtor about 20 years ago, and I was married to the father of my two kids at the time. And I was surrounded by people that told me I couldn't make it. I didn't have what it takes it would just be an expensive hobby. I heard things like, why would we line the garage walls with superficial signs with your picture on them with no yard to stake? Like, that's such a dumb idea. And so I kind of suppressed the dream for literally two decades. I got out of that relationship. It was very toxic and unhealthy to say the least. And fast forward, you know, 10 years later, in walks my FedEx guy. We say he walked in like Kramer from Seinfeld. He like swung the door open really fast and hear this, you know, big blue eyed, bright smile, sexiest legs you've ever seen comes <laughs> into my office. And we saw each other like every day for five years before our first date. And after that first date, literally the rest was history. We had blended five teenagers, which everyone thought we were nutbags. And we quit our jobs on the same day to become self-employed. And it was really a tough climb. The industry we got into was financial services. And Troy had had a, a guy he'd been friends with his entire life that was mentoring us to get in this company. And shortly after we both quit our jobs, gave up our benefits, our security, we found out he was actually going bankrupt. So all the things he was telling us weren't true. So we did a couple of things before he came to me and said, let's do real estate together. And I kind of felt like the angels were singing at that point because I'd wanted to do it for so long. And that's kind of how it started was married my FedEx guy. And then we just took a huge, huge leap of faith with $30,000 in our bank account 
which isn't very much when you have seven mouths to feed and bills to pay and braces and flat tires and, you know, all the, all the incidentals that happen in life. But my mom had, had died when she was 50 and she was misdiagnosed with a hernia when she was 49, which is the age that I am right now. And so that was honestly a paradigm shift in my life because I realized more than ever that tomorrow isn't guaranteed. She had a surgeon that was in a hurry to get to a college football game when he was going in to take her encapsulated tumor. They said she doesn't even have to have chemo if she doesn't want to preventatively. And he left perforations all throughout her colon and she was gone six months later. And so that age made me think I didn't start my career till I'm 39. So I put a lot of immense pressure on myself to kind of catch up with achievements and just trying to, like, I never sat and savored an achievement. I always like jumped to the next lily pad. Okay. What's next? Because I just kind of felt like I didn't have time to waste. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, there is so much to unpack already in what you shared and I'm so sorry for the loss of your mom so quickly. And I can actually identify my mom passed away very quickly when she was 49 and I've surpassed that age. And it definitely was a top of mind while I was approaching and then bypassing. Yeah. Her age. So I'm so sorry about that. And, and I do see though, how it, now I was 23 when my mom passed away and yeah, I think it, it, there's so many different ways that it, changes, I think your perspective in life and experience of life. So I'm so, so sorry, but it does sound like you've used it as a way to stay motivated and focused. I wanted to also talk about the, you know, you shared at the very beginning, the naysayers and toxic relationship. We have that in common as well. I have a wonderful marriage to a a sexy man also, (laughs) (laughs) who is my biggest cheerleader and all of that. But, but, but being around those naysayers, I know that that's something that so many people can really attach to. So I've had similar experiences. So talk a little bit more about the difference between, well, one, we just have to say, usually when people are doing that, it's, you know, they don't have your vision and it's their own fears that are coming out through their mouths about your life. And so let them make decisions for their life and try not to allow them to impact the decisions that you're making for yours. But what has been the difference between being surrounded with that message versus the message you've been surrounded with for the last 10 or so years? Well, I'm really in tune with not allowing other people to steal my dreams because they don't have one of their own or their insecurities, like you said, they, it seeps into not wanting me to have a sense of independence or anything that was my own. So I just completely lost myself in that relationship. I went through a $50,000 custody battle at the same time that I lost my mom. And I just came to a point where I knew I had to rescue myself. And I, I just think for me, it just, it changed my life in, in so many ways, but I think that we all have to evaluate who's around us because the power of the people that surround us and who we spend the most time with is so impactful. And so I really just built a new tribe. I kind of felt like relationships were plucked out of my life. Like I was losing people and I didn't really understand it, but now I realize God 
took them out of my life. And then he transplanted new people in my life that I needed for this season. And they weren't just people that would say, oh yes, you had such a difficult life. I'm going to, you know, always say yes, or always agree. I had to really give people permission to pour into my life and be accountable. And like you said, with your husband being a cheerleader, yes, I definitely had people around me that were the first to pull their pom-poms out of their pocket with even the smallest victory, but also put my feet to the fire and kneel with me, you know, when I had a struggle and they were there with me, but it's giving people permission to give criticism and encouragement. And, and sometimes you don't get both, but that was pretty paramount in my life with, with coaching to be able to start over. And I had to do therapy too. I did intense therapy after losing my mom and going through that acrimonious divorce. It was a really dark time in my life. And I remember walking into the counselor and I said, I'm here. I show up because that's what I do, but I'm literally too broken to be fixed. Like, how about it? But I'm, you're not going to be able to fix me. And she said, we're going to rewire you and reprogram you. And you are going to find yourself again. You're going to rediscover who you are. And it took two years, but I was, when I met Troy, I was in a very healthy space. I think when you try to search for people when you're broken or hurt, you pick broken and hurt people. So it was good that I was able to get myself in order and before I sought, you know, marrying Troy. Yes. Well, and kudos to you again and investing in that. I think back to, so I also went through therapy. I think back to at one point they had, I did a, you know, there's the vision boards, but I did a, I did a kind of a, I'm recovering healing board. So similar, you know, I had the big poster board and, but anyway, it was, it was really a healing exercise because what I did is I did kind of like, here's the real me. And then I did like kind of this jaggedy little division of the board. And here's the pieces of me that are still, you know, need to heal. And here's what that feels like. And here's what it was like and those kinds of things. But I made that part smaller because I felt like I had made progress. There was still some more to do. But anyway, I look back at that because it was quite a few years ago now. And I definitely would be moving that border over even more. because I Yeah, think that's that- incredible. And I love that because we did vision boards when we first started real estate and we still have them and Mm -hmm. five moves with us. They're pretty beat up, but there's, we still have them and I, and we look at them. So yeah, that's really powerful. Yes. The other thing you kind of touched on is I want to talk about trusted advisors because that's really what you're talking about is we have to be really intentional about who we allow the privilege of speaking into our lives. And that's what you did. And And they are those people who can, even if they don't have the same vision, even if they have their own fears, they're going to set them aside. They don't have that intention of, I need to protect myself and self-esteem because I I have too many fears or I I don't want you to be too successful because then I'll feel worse about myself. Like just all the kinds of things that a lot of times people don't even realize necessarily that that's what's driving their opinions into someone else's lives. But, But so finding those people that 
you know, really do want you to succeed. They don't have ulterior motives, either, you know, obvious or, you know, just kind of in the back of their mind. They, they know some of what you're looking towards. They have some good value to add, but I think that biggest thing is, and, and, and hopefully that they are able to really speak truth into your life when you need it. And that's a really great find when you find that person, because it, you know, that takes courage to speak into someone's life. And of course you have to be someone who, who takes it well, but, but yeah, it's being so intentional about who you let speak into your life. I agree. I got so caught up in kind of letting other people set fire to my forest and I just let it burn. You know, I was just frozen, had no self-esteem to like being around a group of mentors and coaches that were teaching me to stop shrinking to places I've outgrown and to stop, you know, dimming my light. There's a saying, you know, hand out shades, <laughs> you know, don't allow people to dim your light. And I was so used to censoring myself to adapt to peacemaking in the environment that I was in that I completely lost my identity. I didn't even know who I was, much less what I wanted. And so yeah, we had productivity coaches. I had mentors. We started like seeking out friendships with people that were successful business owners, but people that were living life beautifully, professionally, personally, spiritually, physically, like the whole package, because we knew that people had gone before us and failure was not an option. I had waited 20 years to do real estate and I, and I knew that I was supposed to do it, but I honestly looking back, don't think I was supposed to do it 20 years prior because I wouldn't have been around. I wouldn't have had support. I wouldn't have had anyone. I wouldn't have had, you know, anyone around me to encourage me and support me at all. So in the self-esteem mode I was in, I probably would have quit in retrospect. So it was all in perfect timing. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and you, you touched on that as well. Just the, when we work on ourselves and get to a healthier place, we're going to attract healthier people. And, you know, I always say like our relationships, we fit like puzzle pieces. And when we make a shift, hopefully it's growth. <laughs> our relationships will make a transition and sometimes they are going to fall away, which is what you experienced. Absolutely. Cause you know, I always say like people pleasers attract people pushers. And once <laughs> yes. you become assertive and have, you know, give your, you know, value yourself enough to speak up and set boundaries and those kinds of things that is not convenient for people pushers. No, <laughs> and usually, <it's> not. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes they don't give up without a little fight, but by then hopefully you're in that place of like, you know, that's, we can, we can grieve the loss of some relationships, et cetera, but yeah, they're just going to kind of naturally fall away. And we don't know the path that we're going on again. Sometimes there's a little, you know, they're going to put up a fight and want us to be who we were, but ultimately if they're not going to transition to fit nicely as a, you know, puzzle piece to our new shape, you know, they're probably going to just kind of float away at some point, which is good. And we can love people. You know, we're not called to love everyone in close contract, right? We can- And you can even love if, people from afar. Exactly. Really well. This isn't about a, like a, like I'm better, you're worse, anything like that. It's just, it's not a fit right now. And I still love you and wish the best for you. But yes, but from that distance and, you know, if at some point they fit a little better with our current puzzle piece, then man, we welcome you back in. I agree. I've, I've had to let some relationships go that have been in my life for, you know, since I was a child and 
you know, you, even though, you know, they weren't bringing value to your life in any way, it was more of almost like a historical nostalgic reason why they were still in your life. It still hurts. You know, yeah. you still mourn it. Yeah. And I want to quickly speak to, cause I think sometimes, you know, faith-based people, we can, I, I, so many of my clients have this sense of guilt about like, I need to be the fixer. And again, I always say like, God hasn't called us to fix everybody. And if we are, if our lives are filled with those people pushers who are dictating how we're using all of our time and ourselves as resources to the world, he doesn't have the opportunity to speak into our lives. And what if our purpose is, well, and almost always our purpose is something other than taking care of all these people who are surrounding us. And really at some point they become a deterrent to us filling out our purpose. I agree. I was kind of determined that the unhealed parts of me like weren't going to hurt others. And so my focus was on just getting myself healthier. I needed to do that for my kids, for, for my family, but for myself. And Mm -hmm. so working on myself was huge. And I had a lot of people around me that wanted to fix everything, but there's no magic pill. It's just a process and a journey. And we all just have to go on our own path. There's no cookie cutter way to get through trauma. You know, we all have to do it in our own way and everyone heals differently, grieves differently. But, and so amazing. And I love your, you know, the thought of you're not dimming your light. And that's the visual I always have. Like, I feel like we have this bright light that's, you know, emanating from the tops of our heads, but like stuff happens and fears come up and those all become like clouds or covers and, you know, that make that light dimmer. And so we just need to remove all that stuff and let our light shine. And then we can be a beacon of hope. And, you know, what if there are other people that can be inspired by the things that we accomplish, the difference that we make. And if we're constantly dimming to, to allow for the comfort of those who, you know, are uncomfortable with success, you know, we're doing a disservice to the others too, who could be served by us and be inspired by us. I agree. And I think for me, I I had a lot of guilt and shame for a long time, just feeling like a failure. And I came to the place where it was like the failures and mistakes and trials, instead of hindering me and making me unusable, it actually equipped me to give me more credibility, like you said, to be a beacon of hope, because you can be a lighthouse to others. And you can stand on the other side of the tunnel when you've already gone through things, because I feel like if we open ourselves up to vulnerability, that's where relatability and connection comes in. And so in my life, I feel like when I feel like I've made the most difference, it's because I've shared darker parts or mistakes and things I've gone through because people see where I am now. I mean, it just didn't magically happen. It was a 20 year process, basically. So, you know, no overnight success, but we have to open ourselves up to be vulnerable too, to make those connections with people. Mm -hmm. And by telling your story, you allow others to be the second to tell their story and, and they can connect and yeah, well, I'm so grateful for all the work that you've done on yourself and to what you've created. So you have overcome so many challenges, but 
But right now is the part of the episode where we say, are there any current challenges that stand in the way of you making your bigger, bolder impact? And I'm going to do a little coaching with you just to see if there are some strategies that could help both you and and the listeners, because just like everything else you've shared, others are going to be really relating to what you've been through. So, so is there anything right now in communication, leading, building your team, anything that's a current challenge that stands in the way for you right now? I think I've moved from proving myself to just purposely wanting to be intentional. That's why I wrote the book about my journey and then selling homes for me is just a byproduct of what we do. We ultimately serve people. And so I have been trying to do more public speaking at conferences, women's events, summits, podcasts, those kinds of things. And my publisher actually died four days before my book release. This was two oh weeks gosh. ago. Oh my gosh. She uh, went to Disney so World and just turned 56 and had saved for years to take her family on this amazing Disney trip. And she suddenly passed. I, I was in communication with her about an hour and a half before she died. And so oh my right now it's just a little overwhelming because I feel like I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants trying to do publicity. And I'm my, my focus is speaking and sharing my story because I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. And so that can be a little bit right now where I am today. It's a little, I feel a little overwhelmed and like I need to create some balance and margin because I'm trying to do, I'm trying to wear a lot of different hats other than just my job. So yeah. that's, you know, that's just being honest today and then losing someone that I became close to. It's, it's been really a, a crazy last few weeks. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and right in the midst of all of this, you know, work-wise and, and having that happen and kind of the double whammy impact of, you know, a personal relationship and then someone who is supporting you and, and getting word out. So I am so, so sorry for your loss and yeah, so sorry to hear. Thank you. So the challenge underneath that, what I hear is possibly, well, needing to be very intentional with your time and making some decisions because you're in overwhelm right now. So let's like talk through, kind of dive into that a little bit more and possibly boundaries. But so are you already using some strategies to get all the tasks out of your head into digital or onto paper? Yes. I mean, I am like one of those crazy Excel list takers everything's on the calendar. I think sometimes we put too much on our to-do list that isn't even humanly possible. You know what I'm saying? Like, for Oh yes, I know what you're saying. So I'm wondering, so let's take a look at that. So, I mean, kudos, because a lot of times people aren't even putting things on a list at all. And then what we're doing is rehearsing it in our brain. And then our brain doesn't know the difference between the 10 things or the 10 things things that you said like a hundred times and that can lead to overwhelm and also the fear of forgetting something. Yeah. And so you've already got it on a list, but it sounds like now are you using different lists? You're using Excel. So you've got to be doing different lists. So like the, are you breaking down the larger tasks into smaller tasks? Yeah. I have a form that I got through my real estate company and it's called the one, three, five, People can use it, not just for real estate, but it basically has, you know, your one goal and then it breaks it down to the the steps that you have to do 
to make that happen. And so it's just basically a breakdown of the process to get to the ultimate goal. Good. So, and then on your list, are you putting those smaller tasks like for today's list? Yes. It's still overwhelming though. Okay. So it sounds like we need to pare down what goes on your list. And then also it sounds like you're a structure person, but let's dive into that just a little bit more. Cause I feel like there's two main ways that people are wired for kind of being productive. And for some, it's a 24 seven blend with kind of flexibility around not so much putting the exact time that I'm going to do the exact thing, but in my 24 seven blend, I'm going to make sure that during this, you know, during the day or during this week, I'm going to get these big chunks of a project done, but not specifying exactly what time they're going to get done. But, and then other people are more structured while you're, you know, it's just a different wiring. There's not a good or bad or anything. It's just knowing yourself. Yes, exactly. So what, what do you feel works best for you that really motivates you and helps you get your goals done? Because you think the wrong one is the, the 24 seven blend. Yeah, because the time blocking thing, I I feel like a fireman. Like in my business, I put out fires all the time that yeah. interrupt things that I'm doing that I, you know, everything I do is pretty deadline driven. Right. So it makes it hard to time block like that. So it would be better for me to just have, you know, I have to get this chunk done by the end well, of the week. But let's look at sorry, I'm cutting you off. Like I do my coaching clients, but no, it's um, okay. <laughs> but how, like, how does, so for your work, it sounds like the, the 24 seven blend works better, but for you personally, cause some people, you know, what I find I've had clients who are trying to, you know, someone told them like, do the time blocking or put the things specifically in your calendar. And then it's not serving them cause it's not how they're wired. And so they're constantly like frustrated with themselves cause it's not working and they're missing deadlines of getting it done at exactly 10 AM, da, da, da. So like, do you feel like having structure energizes you or de-energizes you? I mean, I'm a free spirit. I have to okay. adapt to all okay. of those things. That tells me, that tells me, yes. So you are the 24 seven blend. Mm-hmm. So the good, and that aligns with how your, how your work life is too. So let me ask you this. When you think about these projects, are you letting, this is just a mindset thing, but are you letting the weight of the full project sit on your mind and shoulders, or are you setting the full project aside and only letting today's or this week's tasks sit on your shoulders and in your mind? Oh, I let it, I probably let it overwhelm me. Like we were watching college football this weekend and I'm, I'm always the one with my laptop out, you know, with the stuff Uh I'm having to do that I wasn't planning to do with Darlene's death. You know, I'm trying to navigate doing something I don't know how to do. So it's been hard to turn it off. Yeah. Because I'm having to learn, you know what I mean? It's a big elephant to chew. Yes. Yes. So, all right, this is just a mindset thing. And then we're going to talk about the taking on the extra duties that you didn't anticipate. And, you know, and I guess the good news around that is it's a sprint, right? Mm -hmm, Because it's an unanticipated and it's a period in time. It's not like how you're trying to do life ongoing. So hopefully, because that's what we can't do. We can't, you know, run a marathon at a sprinter's pace. We can, we can do sprints when unanticipated things happen and and adapt to those. But in general, we want to use strategies that don't put us in that speed of living. So, okay, this is, this is just a mindset thing, but it's, um, so it is shifting to only focusing on, so for instance, you're learning and doing, and so you need to learn first. And so 
just to take this specific example, let the weight of that, let the weight and like the sense of urgency for just the learning piece first sit there and in your mind and in your focus. And that's what goes on the list. And then after the learning happens, now you put the weight of doing, doing the work. So it is, it doesn't shift what we have to do. It just shifts the sense of urgency and thus the stress and overwhelm that we can feel by like placing the whole project on our shoulders and mind at the beginning when for sure it's not going to be done. I had never really thought about like making a list of time to just learn instead of learning and doing like I read this now I got to go do it instead of, yeah, you know, I don't have the whole piece of the, I don't even have a piece of the puzzle figured out much less the whole puzzle. So you're right. I need to take the time to learn it before I start implementing because then you make mistakes. Well, and again, it's just adding to that overwhelm. And this is just, I'm using that specifically as an illustration because it was really easy to break it down into those two pieces. But for any project, like I had to train myself this years ago, you know, when I was a single mom, sorry, my business, et cetera. Cause I would, I would, you know, I'd be working on something for a client that there's no way it's going to be done for at least two or three months. I can't have the weight of that full thing and the worry and the sense of urgency is if it's all due tomorrow sitting on my brain space and on my shoulders. And so it was just this mindset thing, but, and I was already breaking things down and I am a 24 seven blend. So I was already, you know, like in the doing I was already doing, but again, it was that mindset piece that I hadn't shifted to. And so it really is freeing and can help with overwhelm because I'm just going to focus on what I'm going to do today and all the other pieces of the same thing you know, aren't going to be done today. And so I need to fully set it aside from my whole brain space and everything. It's already on my list. So I'm not worried about forgetting, et cetera. But anyway, so that is one thing that I think will help you with the overwhelm right now. And then the next thing I would just say is, you know, is there a way to outsource some of these things that you don't know or other things? So if you want to take on the work that she had been doing, the publisher had been doing, learn, then do, but if you look at all of the tasks that you have to are, have going, what can you outsource at least for a period or maybe ultimately ongoing? And I would look at those lists, you know, start creating a list of the things that you're not good at and having to do. The learning stuff, sometimes that is stuff that we'll ultimately be good at. And so it's good to learn it, et cetera. But like if it, if it would go on the list of like, I'm not good at this, I don't like it, it de-energizes Like a missing me. person's yes, exactly. Yes. And so it's the things that right now you or your husband are having to do that aren't in your like area of genius, your strengths. And then the other thing is the things that aren't getting done at all that should be getting done. And then from there, it'll start to build out the person. And you might look at it and say, these are very diverse tasks. And so it might not live within one person. And so about how many hours do we need of this kind of task and how many hours of this kind of task? And then it starts to give you that picture of the, the person or people that you need to outsource some of the things. Yes, I agree. I think, I think that would help me tremendously. Yeah. I like to do everything myself because I think it, no one can do it better than me. And that is such a limiting, ridiculous Mm -hmm. mindset. 
Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have to call it ridiculous, but limiting. <laughs> but I mean, lots of entrepreneurs feel that way. So while you're saying that, I'm just going to throw out if you go to, I'll say this for you and the listeners, defeatthedrama.com forward slash delegation. It's a quick, like five minute video plus PDF download of my six simple steps, a great delegation. And it absolutely ignites team follow through. And I've been sharing it with, I mean, thousands of leaders for like, I don't know, more than 15 years at this point. So you can grab that. I think that'll help because sometimes it is we, without realizing it, we are setting ourselves up for, you know, not the best in, in delegating. And so by following those six steps, it'll help. But thank you so much for your vulnerability and and sharing in that. And I hope that, you know, those strategies can, can help you so that, yeah, I get through this period and then onto all the next things that you have going as well. Yes. Thank you. And I have my next HGTV episode is airing in December. If you know the, the show house hunters where they go along with a buyer picking out their home. So that's, I have that show DVRing. Yes, I do. Awesome. So you've been on there before. This is our fourth time. Awesome. And this time I'm on there with an interior design friend. She was actually my first client. I had never sold a house and she had had two other realtors for 18 months that couldn't sell her house. And when she interviewed me, she never asked me, she wasn't my friend at the time. She never asked me if I'd sold a home before, but just felt something, you know, in her that believed in me. And she has been like a seed that gave us so many referrals over the years. And so She got divorced after 30 years and this show is centered around her starting over and buying a house that she's going to do events at. So it's kind of a unique concept that they've never done. So I'm excited for her story to be shared. Fun. And when is that episode airing? You said, I don't have the exact day, but it should be December. Oh, in December. Okay. Well, we'll definitely, that'll be in today's show notes as well so that people can see that. Now tell me a little bit more about your book that's coming out. Well, I, I wrote the book and just basically I wrote, I shared unique marketing approaches that we've used to exponentially grow for us. It's been, you know, how I said earlier, somebody said I could never stand out and I'm a really unique, quirky personality. And so we started doing things with clients and our social media presence that was really different from what other people were doing. And I was able to use TV, media, press releases, human interest stories, podcast guesting, a lot of things in that world that no one was really using to build a local brand and recognition. So I share a lot about how to do that and just creating your own lane of authenticity, how, you know, copying your competition is never going to work, but you've just got to, you know, discover who you are, share your story and And the business will come as long as you plant the seeds, the harvest will come. Well, that sounds like an amazing book. And I think I need to grab it because I um, hope that it inspires people, honestly. Um, Tell me a little bit about some of the strategies that you've used. Like how did you get on HDTV, for instance? Well, I was speaking at an event for Keller Williams international and someone came up to me afterwards and she was from North Carolina and she said, I just did a show and you need to talk to the producer because you would be perfect. And so I started the conversation with HGTV and they said, well, we don't want to come to Oklahoma. There's nothing there, but wagons and hillbillies and rednecks. And we convinced them to come. But my, my first taste of like sharing a story and public speaking was in 1999 when I wrote into Oprah and told her I was having some 
hormonal issues after I had my second child and everybody wanted to just tell me I'd postpartum and pigeonhole me into getting on Wellbutrin, which I knew I didn't have postpartum. I had had it with a previous birth. And so she had me come on and put me on stage the entire show and then had me come back for a follow-up. I think it was one of the highest rated shows in 1999. And she said that it was a silent epidemic where, you know, we go in, we know our bodies better than anyone, but I go into the doctor's office and two or three different doctors, no one would take my blood. Everybody was just like, Oh, you're depressed. Check the box, sit down, be quiet and take Wellbutrin. And I was like, I'm not accepting this. That's not what's wrong with me. And I, she paid for rush labs and flew us out there and I didn't have any testosterone. So it was a very simple fix, but it was life-changing for me to just get my hormones balanced. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. She was on my bucket list for, <laughs> and you did it. That's awesome. And the, the most high ra- highly rated show and, and an important message. Cause yeah, very important I mean, message. we probably don't know I a woman like, who had, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, that's just where I, I felt the power of being vulnerable and sharing your story, how rewarding that is to be able to help others, even if sometimes you feel a little insecure, putting yourself out there in that way the reward is so worth it. Mm, that's awesome. And tell me just quickly, like what's, a, what are like two strategies you could share for how to be vulnerable in social media versus that oversharing? Like, where are you drawing the line or tell me your techniques? We're not afraid to make fun of ourselves. So we do a lot of funny videos. We will post our TikToks. But one thing that I really like to do is I like to share my client stories, which you have to earn the right, you know, for them to share their stories. But as we go house hunting, we're always taking pictures. So we always kind of have a documentary of going on house hunts. And when we sell the house, you know, it, you'll remember things a lot more. If I do a back handspring, you know, in front of the house, putting the sold sign rather than just, you know, <laughs> saying I sold it. This is um, true. That is a when, fact. Yes. <laughs> I don't know in your, well, nationwide, it's been a seller's market the last couple of years. And so when buyers would get a house, they'd have to fight and, you know, frankly, overpay quite a bit just to be in the running to get the house. So we started doing this publisher's clearinghouse type announcement. We would come over to tell them that they got the house and have a big poster board. And, you know, we would come to the door and tell them that they got the house and we would video it. And that's one of the things. And for Christmas, we would drop gifts and do dance and dashes because everyone has a ring doorbell. Mm-hmm. We just do different things to take pockets of, you know, opportunities to spread joy and laughter. And it really helps us build friendship and people want to do business with people that are successful. And when it's time to do business, we do business, but we're not afraid to connect with people on a deeper level. And that's how we have repeat business. And that's how the relationship, you know, goes way beyond the transaction. Well, and I love that while you're building business, you, I love that you're spreading joy and laughter and to do it. I think it's so important. Yes. And the world needs we, a lot more of that. Yes. <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Well, so everyone, when is the book coming out? The book just came out. It's oh, okay. on Amazon. It's called Out of the Box, Denise Schroeder. I'm the author and I'm looking for honest reviews. So, you know, the Kindle is only $4.99. So it's super affordable. And then there's a paperback 
available too, but I basically just wrote it to inspire and encourage and empower people to know it's never, ever too late. And for me, the most amazing things have happened to me on the other side of literal sheer terror. And so taking the leap into, you know, becoming self-employed and marrying my FedEx guy, you know, it's, it's been a journey and I just wanted to share the different things we've been able to do because a lot of us, it's applicable to any small business owner, but a lot of us are in very saturated markets. So we, you know, we have to stand out and be different and not, not be afraid, you know, to show, show more vulnerable sides, not just the highlight reel. Well, and I think too, kind of tradition, I'm using my like air quotes here, but like traditional marketing is so much about like, you feel like there's words to use and ways yes. to, like the kind of like, writing that's a and all. script when you hear and it. And I like, fall prey to that all that, like, right. Like, how do I be me, you know, and I've been a business owner for over 20 years, but like I, you know, and it's still something I struggle with. Like how much of yourself do you bring versus, you know, the air quote, you know, look. And so I love yeah, absolutely. Everyone get this book <laughs> out of the box. So I love, yeah, I love you. your vulnerability and your sharing. And again, the, the, the focus on sharing joy and laughter. It's funny when I went through, got out of my unhealthy, abusive relationship, I sat my two boys down who were in like kindergarten and second grade at the time they're, they're grown now, but, um, and I, and I just said, we are going to bring, cause we had not had this in years, but love, joy, and laughter into this house. And that is yes. how it's going to be. And what are the ways that you guys want to help create that? And the first thing, it was so cute. Can we get an, a welcome sign for our front door? Oh, and, and traditions, um, like creating new yes, traditions. Yes, exactly. So we did that as a team. So I love, I love that you're helping to bring more of that to the world. So you have already shared so many inspiring stories and words of wisdom, but I'm going to ask for just one more. So what words of wisdom do you have for others? who want to make their own impact in the world? For me, no matter what phase of life that we're in, God uses us every day. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. We're all missionaries. So seek out those opportunities to give a helping hand or give words of affirmation. And for me, I had to change the soundtrack in my life. that was so unhealthy, you know, that I didn't have what it takes. I had no value. I just ultimately wasn't enough. And just know that every single one of us have a story. Don't just share your story, show it to others because you have no idea the impact that it could make. And I shared a story one evening on Facebook, my daughter's 21st birthday. She was inpatient for an eating disorder across the country. And she had a little bit of time to be on social media. So I sang a song on Facebook to her and it's, it was about you're enough. And about five minutes later, Troy came out and said, someone private messaged you. And I went in and I read the message and I was just blown away. He said, Denise, I'm sitting in my garage, chain smoking with my gun, mm. scrolling through Facebook to say my final goodbyes. And I scrolled up you know, I scrolled upon your post and I heard your voice, but it wasn't your voice. It was God. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, I was hearing him say, your life has value. I'm not done with you. And so I feel like 
not every time we share or we're vulnerable, we will be, be able to save a life or even hear that we impacted someone in that way. But he shared that with me and it really was a paradigm shift to always get outside of your comfort zone and always apologize, always forgive, always send the text. You know, if you're thinking something, say it because we, you know, we just don't know. We don't know if tomorrow will come. And so that was, that was really impactful for me. And I almost didn't, didn't even get on there and do that. You know, like what if I would have allowed my own kind of insecurities to just not go on Facebook live and do that? I, I sang it for my daughter, but I said, if anyone needs to hear this, God, I pray that the right people will hear it. Wow. Well, and underneath that story is this, the, we don't know the impact that we might be making. We might never hear from no. the other person and, and you did, which is a gift that motivates you to do more. But so I think also it's too often we get so we can get so caught up in, um, like attaching our value to how many likes did something get right. or how much dollars came in at that moment, or, you know, or, you know, and trying to see like, did my actions create and just the whole one, we might not know. And two, there's the ripple effect. Maybe it's not immediate, but it's down the road. You planted a seed. And so just do the things, save the things. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. You really are an inspiration. You've given, given me so much food for thought, and I know that you've inspired the listeners today. So I do encourage you, well, one, if you're in the Oklahoma area and you have any kind of real estate, something happening, <laughs> reach I would love out to help <laughs> Denise and Schroeder Real Estate Group. You know, she's with her husband, Troy there. Grab her book out of the box. It's available. We'll have that information on today's show notes. You can find that by going to defeatthedrama.com, click on that podcast tab and go to episode 309. If you are, you know, just struggling with anything else beyond what we talked about today, you can always grab a spot on my calendar too. It's super easy. Just go to myimpactacademy.com forward slash book call and just grab a spot. I would love to chat with you to see how I might help or who I can send you to, to get the resources that you need. So thank you again, Denise. Thank you thank for the you. work that you're doing and the, the stories that you're sharing and yeah, the impact that you're making in the world. Thank you, Kirsten. Thank you.